This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. So throughout Lent, we're going to be exploring the story of Paul's conversion, uh, sort of reluctant conversion, if you will. Um, the, Jesus appeared to him and called him and uh, brought the truth right in front of him. And then it is up to Paul to see how his response will go. What will he do? So Paul had been walking down this road to Damascus with his soldiers, his men-at-arms. He needed those for two reasons. One, you do not walk through the countryside uh, at that time uh, without having danger from bandits and all sorts of things. So you needed an armed cohort or at least a number of people to go with you. And as he is walking to Damascus, he is planning to continue a crusade that he's been on where he has been arresting Christ believers in the name of the Pharisaic faith, the right way to worship the Judean God. And anybody who is not conforming to that is being arrested, bound, tortured, and killed. He has been doing this, and he has this terrorizing reputation now across the Christ-believing lands, and he has holding in his hand the authority to do as he will. And he is marching into Damascus when there is a great light from above. And Paul goes down onto the ground. And there is a voice, Paul! And Paul doesn't even know who it is. Remember, Paul is not a Christ-believer at this point. He believes he is doing the right thing by his faith. He is focused without considering the harm. And Jesus speaks from the heavens, it is I. Why are you harassing me and those who follow me? The other folks that are with uh, Paul don't hear that, but they do see him go down on the ground and they do see that he is now rather helpless and they go over and they pick him up, getting him to his feet. Paul can't see anything. He has been blinded or perhaps he has been given the truth. He has been given the opportunity to see where he really is. In those days, it was believed that what was in your heart shone out words through your eyes. If there was light and love in your heart, that's what shone out. Have you ever had your mother or your uh, lover look at you in a deeply affectionate and loving way? Doesn't it feel like that comes through? On the other hand, have you ever been on the receiving end of the look? It was believed that if you only had darkness in your heart, if you were possessed by a bad spirit, if you were blind, that all would come out of your eyes as darkness, and it's harmful. Paul 
would have lowered his eyes. Paul, who got to be the first one to speak, he got to be the first one to be in a room, the most authority, the first one to look at you or not and tell you what you should do, has been busted down. And there is a vision. The, the, the words of Jesus says, go on the street called straight to Judas's house and wait there. And that is what he does. I want to set the scene a little bit more here. Uh, Damascus is this beautiful city from antiquity. It was settled on a plateau about 2,000 feet high, so the weather is lovely, about 40 degrees in the wintertime, about 80 degrees in the summertime. And it is fed by the Barada River that flows out of the mountains, and it flows right through the city. What would otherwise be sort of a desert steep flows right through and over the millennia. The people who live there have divided the water into channels so that it floods across the basin, across the upper desert and rocky steep among the lava. Um, it's an ancient lava flow in the rocks. And they've made a verdant paradise out of it. Olive groves and orchards and some of the par excellence wine. And from antiquity, this has been a breadbasket, a place of a paradise. And the people who have lived there have had water. And there was at first, it was the, well, I don't know who first. Apparently, the rumor is, it's the most, it's the only, it's the, uh, the oldest continually occupied city in the world. But there haven't been excavations to say whether or not that we can determine that as materially true. But nonetheless, it is a good spot. And if you're a human, you're going to love it there. The people that were there at the time of David were the Arameans, the kingdom of Aram. And David defeated them for a time. But Solomon couldn't hold on. And it went back to the Arameans. And then there were skirmishes, the northern Israel with the Arameans back and forth, swapping territory and raiding each other's borders until the Assyrians came, and then the Babylonians, and then Alexander the Great, and the Seleucids, and the Ptolemies, and then Rome. And now, America and Russia fighting a murderous war with the dictator Hassad. Damascus, by every measure, is a beautiful, wealthy, blessed city. To get there from Galilee, also a lush and fertile valley, you walk through 200,000 square miles of desert. Well, that's not the trip, but the whole thing is 200,000 square miles high desert and steep. The place is where the brigands hide out. There are caves all through it, little skinny cave entrances that fit a man or a cow through it so you can get through. And inside, you could fit a 100 or a 1,000 
cows and everything, and you can't find them. These are all these little crooked roads full of the people who live there, who make their living, who, who don't have a land, who are often dispossessed, and the cows that they have and the stealing that they do is how they get by. And there are many attempts over the millennia to flush these people out. But you had to have a big enough army because believe me, you didn't fit your guys one by one through that cave mouth entrance into whatever was waiting for you inside. Unless you were a terrible fool. Paul had just walked through that territory. And as the debt of his time had mounted and the wars of his time had mounted and the dispossessed had grown, the place had become known as the refuge of all things, the economics of poverty that he walked through to get to the paradise of Damascus. And that is where our portion of the story for today begins. The first verse tells us, in Damascus there was a certain disciple named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision. Ananias is likely dreaming because the word here is behold, which also means arise, arouse, get up. And it signals that, wake up, wake up, says the Lord. Go to Judas's house on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Behold, he is praying. This is an interesting use of that word twice, and it's suggestive that we are in a vision space. Behold, look, see. Now, Straight Street was likely the Cardo Maximus, a huge Roman road that ran east-west, I think, along the city. But Rome, Roman cities had big, usually two large straight roads, and this was a very Roman road with a theater and apartments and the great gates and colonnades all along it. In the vision that Paul, so there are two visions going on in this chapter, in this set of verses. We have Ananias seeing the vision of God calling him to get up and go and see Paul. And we have the vision of Paul who is praying. And he sees Ananias come in and enter and put his hands on him. Epitathemai, to lay hands on, to restore his sight. We're materialist beings, rationalist beings, so we don't get what the laying on of hands often is. And it's this weird thing sometimes we do in churches, and isn't that what the Pentecostals do, and do we really believe that anyway? But this word, epitathemai, is not just about the cardboard putting down of one's hand, material on material. It's not that simple. This is about the, the other definitions here to lay upon or inflict or bring upon or add or set upon or attack. This is a spiritual word. This word implies that something spiritual is happening when the hands are laid on. It's not plonked down. 
This is the same word that is used when the rich man asked Jesus to lay hands on his daughter who has just died. This is the same word that is used when Jesus is asked to lay hands on the blind man in Mark and John. This is an action that does something. And the underlying assumption at this time was that through the good spirit in me, the Holy Spirit in me, the love in me. Lee, can I touch you? Sure. That I pass that on. All the goodness, all the love, all the care from a material touch becomes a spiritual moment. This is how we are ordained in the United Methodist Church where the bishop lays hands on us. And it is this continuum of laying on of hands all the way back to Jesus and the disciples. We don't have to go all weird about it, but to acknowledge there's power in touch and that we can intentionally Feel the good of it. Ananias countered or answered the Lord, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man. People says he, say he have done terrible things to your holy people in Jerusalem. And this is the word kakos. It's evil. It's wrong. It's harmful. Terrible things have been going on. And Ananias continues, he says, he's here with authority, exousia, from the chief priests to bind. We use the word arrest here because it's easier on our ears, but he has come to bind people, to arrest them. And the word bind has interesting co, you know, the word breaks down into different words of the same origin, and some of these words actually mean to beg or plead. If you can imagine the helplessness that this infers for those folks, the ones who are calling out your name, they are being arrested, bound, hauled away by this man. And he has been given the authority, the exousia, to be the agent of that harm. And the Lord replied to Ananias, go. This man is the agent I have chosen to carry my names before the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. And I just got to push back against some of these uh, translations. So agency is a really, really important thing to look at when you're looking at the Bible. And the way you discover what the agency is is you actually go back to the Greek and you see what is the tense who is doing it? And the Greek doesn't always um, render things that we put in the active in the active. And in this case, God has not said that Jesus, that uh, Paul is going to be the agent as if Paul is doing it. This is something God is doing. Paul will be the vessel. There's a very big difference here. 
And I know it does all good for our rationalist egos to think of ourselves as the agent, like Paul, thumping through the universe and saying how great God is and how great we are, but that's not actually how it goes here. This, he is the agent of Jerusalem, the agent of Jerusalem. He exercises worldly power badly as an agent. He is the vessel, the servant of God. And this word, bastizo, is actually like servant, porter, uh, transport worker. So there is the element of raise in that word, but as in raising up boxes and putting them on the wagon. This is a labor. Paul has been called to labor for God. Paul has been called to turn his life around and give back. Paul has been called to be the vessel that God will use to spread the good news. Because Paul has some really, really important good things about him. He's a Roman citizen. He knows the Hellenized world. He's lived in it. He's also a Judean and a Pharisee. He has all the right credentials to bridge this conversation. God needs, God is going to use him for that. And yes, ironically, he is being busted down in worldly ways and raised up in godly ones. By being the servant, he will be higher than the agent. And sometimes it's hard to get that in your head. Paul will be giving back. Paul will become a vessel of God. Is there any greater honor than that? And we don't have to make it seem like it's all about him to recognize the honor that he has given. So, once you understand that, when you get to the next verse, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. It now makes more sense. Once you understand that the bearer as a vessel is not a CEO, it's going to be hard work. But for the rest of his life, he will serve God. Ananias went to the house, okay, all right, Lord, and placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, I am sent by the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the way as you were coming here. He sent me so you could receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, important words in here are apostle, apostello, not Paul, Ananias. Ananias is the apostle here, not Paul. Ananias is the servant who has been sent to do God's work here. Paul is still a tortury, wiggly butthead. He is still in uncertain spiritual territory. He's still blind. We don't know what's going on with him. It is a true and present danger for Ananias to be there and for Ananias to lay his hands on him, the power of the Holy Spirit in him to be stronger, more loving, more beautiful, more holy than whatever horrible, murky spirit there has been swimming around in the middle of Paul. The bravery to do that, the faith that by that touch 
something more wonderful can be communicated than the evil that has been being done. And Ananias is the apostle through whom God will pour power and wonders. Remember John. We like to bring it down to the 12, but we remember that far beyond that, God busts that 12 wide open. There are 12 disciples, and there's all the other disciples, including all the other apostles, those sent out through whom God pours God's power for good. The Spirit, sure enough, manifests in Paul healing him. And instantly flakes, lepis fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. So this is epithelial debris. There's a fancy scientific word for you. Skin flakes like eggshells or the outer husk of a nut. Something literally falls from Paul's eyes. And we are going to talk about the evil eye next week, and you don't want to miss it because it's a very interesting thing. So just for the fun of it, I googled epithelial, uh, epithelial, any scientists in here who know how to actually pronounce that correctly? Epithelial, thank you. Yes. So I googled epithelial and evil, just for the fun of it, right? What are we doing today in our world about this understanding? And I came up with the word cancer. Isn't that interesting? So, while I'm not going to say that cancer is a spiritual evil, because I don't think that's true, I do think that there is some wisdom in how we can understand this in the context of the story. There was a spiritual cancer inside of Paul in being healed. The husk that blinded him is sloughed off. He got up and was baptized. Again, this sounds like he's in charge. So in rising, he was baptized. And then he ate. Again, it sounds like he's in charge. I'm just going to go over here to the plate over here and snag some pork chops, if that's okay with everybody else. No, he is fed. He receives food. And he takes it in. So again, this word offers us a spiritual aspect, a spiritual understanding of being nourished. This word is used in relationship to nourishment and care, the rearing of one's young, the care for little ones, bringing up. All those are words that surround this. It's a spiritual nourishment as well as physical. And it made me think of Harry Potter again. I often think of Harry Potter when I read the Bible because J.K. Rowling, she's exploring evil, right? Theodicy. And she has some really interesting perspectives. And here what I thought of is Paul has just literally been released from a maybe decades-long position of a deep and difficult spirit. And it's finally done. And he's been filled. Passive voice, he didn't do it. God did it. Filled with the spirit. And remember when they're on the train, I think they're on the train the first time they encounter the Dementors. 
the Harry and his crew. And the Dementors are these like flying evil beings that just like sort of formless and they like suck every joy, every life, every goodness out of you. And after somebody has rescued you from the Dementors, the way you sort of recover in your heart is you get to eat chocolate, right? And there's something deeply sort of spiritually and physically nourishing about sort of eating this chocolate after that encounter. And I totally imagine Paul sitting there munching on a big bar of Ghirardelli chocolate. Not a product placement, by the way. Could be any kind of chocolate. Let's promote Theo chocolate, it's fair trade. that deep nourishing, and sometimes in our own lives. So here it is, Lent, and I am asking you to be courageous and look at the dark places inside you, to be willing to sit with your pain, with your anger, in recognition that those things keep you what? Blinded to the love and work of God. They keep you insecure that your touch can be good. I keep touching you, Lee. I'm so glad you said yes that I could. It's so important because what we pass on by our hands, can I touch you, Annie? Yeah. So when we pass on by our hands, it can be so loving. And we doubt ourselves. We think, I'm not good enough. There's something bad about me, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, if you're an evil butthead, please don't be touching people. But you know what I'm saying? Claim that goodness in you. Claim the love that's in you. Respond to that. Trust that you are indeed filled with the Holy Spirit and that you can radiate that in the world. That you are an apostle. Do that work. Do that work. Be courageous with that work. See where your blindness is and have some chocolate right there next to you because you will want to be nourished. When you do this work, it's hard. And you deserve the nourishment that you need to do the work well. So this Lent, as we continue to tell the story of the road to Damascus, and we consider what things God is doing and what things God is calling from you, again, be courageous. Trust that you are loved deeply and wonderfully. You are loved, you are welcomed, and you get to eat chocolate. Is anybody fasting from chocolate this Lent? Uh-oh, we got one, so we'll have to think of something else. Carob, it's not quite the same thing, but yeah. Mm. All right, let us pray. Amazing and wonderful God, you are the one who fills us. You are the one who nourishes and feeds us. And you are the one that calls us on our garbage. Free us from our blindness. Let us be your people by your will and your good. We ask this in your most glorious name. Amen.